You're listening to Gen X Gamers Podcast. All it is Kid Aquarius. Welcome to season two of the Gen X Gamers Podcast. I hope you are as excited as I am because I am super excited. Oh man, it felt so weird not to put together a podcast last week, but I told myself I was going to step away for a week, get a few thoughts together so that we could come back with a bang for season two. And here I am. I have so many excited things to share. And over the next eight episodes, I think we're going to have a really good time, jump into some new content and new ideas. I've already talked to you about some of those, so I'm not going to go over it again, but just some specifics. I have five brand new guest hosts that you've never met that are going to be making appearances over the next eight episodes. Also, I am going to be referencing different games and we're going to be putting up video content of streaming of those games of legit video X gamers. Well, your hosts, really. So uh, that's exciting. And of course, you will be able to access all of that video content on genxgamers.us under the video section. We already have uploaded our first streaming video and a video of this podcast. That is going to be awesome. Then, of course, we're going to continue with the things that work. And, of course, I'm going to introduce and tell you what game of the week you should be playing. So, with all that in mind, gosh dang it, how can you not be excited? Because it's so fun to get together and talk about this stuff. Oh, I'm out of breath. I'm already done. Just kidding. We're just getting started. If you have not left a review or um, subscribed on your platform, please go and do it right now. I actually mailed out two t-shirts yesterday because of the people who have been posting reviews. So I appreciate it. And don't forget to share this with your friends because the more we share this with people, the bigger it becomes and then we can do more cool things. Okay, awesome. Hey, one thing that we started at the end of last season that seemed to work was gaming news in a minute. And now is no exception. We are going to launch. We've gone two weeks now and I've got some important things to share. So without further ado, it is time for gaming news in a minute. Here we go. Last week, three boys in Bolivia, all friends, were bitten by a black widow spider. Wait, there has to be more to the story, right? The boys aggravated the spider into biting all three of them on purpose. Why? Well, of course, in order to get the superhero power like Spider-Man. What a brilliant idea. And then the mom found them crying, took them to the hospital where they were admitted for a week with fevers, tremors, muscle pains. Can you imagine being a kid in that moment and getting the thing on your arm and prodding it until its fangs clamped down into your flesh? Watching that happen, I would have freaked I mean, for an adrenaline rush when I was a kid, I would go jump into a canal or sneak around the neighborhood at midnight. This is a whole new level. Just get the kids a video game console and play a few Spider-Man games to live out their wild fantasies. Well, they survived their home safe, so happy ending, right? Speaking of sharp teeth, 
Epic Games has released a video game called Maneater where you get to play the role of a shark. You swim around the ocean and the world eating everything in your path, including jumping and even double jumping over boats and jet skis and marinas and you bite off the heads and arms and every single part of man, women and children. It's awesome. And the sharks level up and you get special shark powers that give you like electricity and different things like that. I mean, the sharks must have had black widows for friends or something. Either way, can I tell you I'm genuinely excited. And this is different. And the new, actually, the gameplay is pretty sweet. I get to live out my Jaws fantasy without being eaten by a shark. I've recorded some quick gameplay for you and plan on live streaming throughout the week. So you can go and we'll have our very own Shark Week. Check out the video section at genxgamers.us to find the links to the YouTube channel. Also... Every new game that comes out isn't always a winner, though, and sometimes I'm thrilled about its failure. Amazon thinks they can just do everything. I'm so sick of these huge companies taking over the world and buying out markets and finding footholds into areas that they shouldn't even be walking. Amazon released an MMORPG called Crucible, and while it probably has top-of-the-line graphics, gameplay, whatever, I am so glad that it's flopped so far. It entered and left the top 100 games on Steam in a blink of an eye. Get out of here, Amazon. Of course CNN gave it a great review. You paid them. Gosh, at least it doesn't take long looking at solid gaming sites to realize the game is meh at best and not worth your time. Last but not least, Mortal Kombat 11, which I enjoy kicking booty every once in a while, just released its new Friendship Fatality Pack. This again, seriously? The Friendship Fatality is in contrast to the crap the company's taken for having such gruesome and horrible fatalities and brutalities. But you know what? When I play games and I win, which is usually most of the time, whenever I'm nice about it, my opponents, my friends and family, they just get even more pissed off because I'm courteous afterwards. They'd rather I rub it in their faces. So as nice as friendship fatalities may sound, it's really just a harder slap in the face. Just stick to ripping out the spine and whipping it around like Devo. And that is your gaming news in a minute. Or two. Or three. Someday I may push four. Bye. Thank you, Kitacorius, for that gaming news in a minute. Now, it is time to bring out our special guest hosts for episode one of season two of Gen X Gamers podcast. And that is, eh, my good friends, Brandon Monk and Chris Maggard. You've heard them both, but man, have we got a great discussion today. So in preparation for today's discussion, back in season one, I challenged you to think about your favorite games of all time. If you don't have your list yet, maybe you should pause this and think, oh, what are my top seven games I've ever played? You can compare your list to ours because we're about to go over and challenge each other on what our favorite games of are. Our favorite games are of all time. We'll see what you think of our lists. See you in a minute. Here I am with my good friends, Chris and Brandon. When was the last time, by the way, guys, that we were on any sort of thing together? It's been a while. Any cross-platform social media event? It has been a while. I mean, a couple years for sure, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Anyway. I mean, it's sad to say. We, we, I'm so glad that we're together. Even though we're not meeting regularly, as soon as we meet, it's like, oh, we're back. That is the power of the Gen X podcast, bringing people, families, friends together. 
That's true. You guys have no idea the emotions we feel when we're together. It's a little disturbing. In these trying times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think the last time was Divinity, Original Sin. Oh, and I was probably freaking out at Brandon and screaming at him because you know? I know he was secretly just taking advantage of us and looting everything from afar and just being a dick. Hmm. I felt at some point it was almost like my duty because quite frankly, if it was either Corey have everything and decide who gets loot or I would do that. And so I think, I think my favorite part about that whole experience was when Chris originally was like, yeah, guys, listen, I can only get on like once every two weeks because of everything going on in my life um, to get, cause we would get together and talk about a game we wanted to make. And uh, anyway, and then all of a sudden we start playing Divinity Original Sin and you couldn't handle, handle the competition, Chris. Every other day you were getting on. It was amazing. I was like, oh yeah, one step. That's right. It, it's, it's really the first game that brought me into the multiplayer universe. Before that, I thought like gaming is the time where it's just me. And when it, Divinity, especially Original Sin 2, that holy cow. That game is just amazing. That it's was hard in and of itself. Yeah, well, I mean, and ahead, playing sir. it together is, I mean, it turned me straight teenager. Like, we went right back to our, you know, young selves, and we just met each other. We couldn't control our personality quirks. It all came out of the ringer, and we've done, you know, all kinds of things all the way through, but that just brought back to that, uh, you know, the base personality trait or the base character, D&D &D character that we uh, exhibit in our lives just, like, came right out. And then our, our lovely distrust and uh, conniving schemes back and forth. That was fun. And David was there. I feel bad Jerob wasn't in that universe with us, but uh, that was fun. That was a yeah, it was. Well, it was a great experience, guys. But what we're really here to do and what I hope all our podcast listeners are doing is I've encouraged them to come prepared with their own list. We are going to share our top seven games of all times. And I even built in that you can have three honorable mentions, but we are going to share our top seven games of all time. Now you need to know four through seven, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to share the game you choose that chose at each one, but you only have one minute to talk about that game if you have something to say. So okay. I hope you're prepared with that. Yes. Because I know you can go off forever with your whole debater skills, you two. These two are like <laughs> national debaters. So they're used to going off for like 30 minutes on healthcare as if any of us give a rat's butt, but that's fine. So here we go. Okay, so on healthcare. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start with number seven, and I'm going to start off this round. Okay, right. so we'll go me, then we'll go okay. Maggard, and then Monk, you're going to round the table. Sound good? Let's do it. Okay, so for me, and I, I realized, uh, one more precursor, I realized going into this that all of us may determine what the best games we've ever played are by different criteria. We didn't establish like a criteria at all. So yes. mm -hmm. we could be like totally on different ends of the spectrum and that's cool. Here we go. My number seven was Space Quest and King's Quest from oh, the mid 1980s brilliant. on the CGA, yes, Sierra. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved these games. I got this old computer, I mean that huge box computer with your three by five floppy disks and sticking that in. And those games were so much fun because it required insane, like problem solving skills. It was harder than snot to figure out how to solve some of those stupid things. And you got no hints, there were no cheater guides. Games today are way too easy to figure out. I, I mean, you had to like, 
totally luck onto some of those solutions to play those so games. So for many kids that wouldn't know this, this is an adventure game, point and click adventure game, kind of the, the original creation of that game on the PC. And so you're solving problems by taking random objects from one end of the world to the other end and the thing that was the hardest is that if you forgot to pick up this one thing in this third house of this village, then you might not be able to beat the game. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It is. No, I, I love that you played it too. Yeah. I was worried I was going to bring that game up and you guys are going to be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Hey, Chris, what do you got for us? Well, I'd heard of that game, but I, from your description, it doesn't sound like my type of game. I was like, not interested. Too. Uh, my nine number seven uh, is uh, actually thanks to Corey brought me into this universe of first-person shooters. I'm going to have Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, the Warzone uh, madness. It's a free-to-play game, which is just unbelievable. The free-to-play games now are, like, better than any game you can buy. And this game, you know, I'm not good at it. But there's still – this game, the great thing is even if you're not good at it, you, the teamwork is just so great. You get down with your friends, and you, you – we, we start chatting about other stuff and then we're like, no, 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 get serious. This is serious. We need you. We got, we got a, you know, shot at six o'clock and uh, you just get so into it and the, you have to work together with your team or else you're just immediately gone and you're crawling around and it's just so realistic and the, you get so many different, uh, you know, weapons and each one handles differently and you start building your favorite loadouts. And, and even when I get on with strangers, I, I'm on these, you know, these different uh, walks of life, you know, I have uh, some uh, superstar hillbillies and then some, you know, heavy rappers and, you know, just I'm like the fourth person on a team, you know, and then just able to jump in and meet people and talk with them and get to know them in a way I've never done before. And, you know, that's, that's why I love that game. Good pick. You're up, Brandon. Okay. My number seven, this is a hard one again, because when I think of my favorite game, this goes back so far and, and there's so many considerations for me, it is super Metroid. Um, wow. Definitely one of the, I mean, it is the pinnacle platforming game. In fact, I would argue that it was genre defining. In fact, this game was so huge that it is still played avidly today as one of the prime uh, moments, if you're familiar with the uh, awesome games done quick, uh, it's oftentimes it's put on in the summer and they're winning. They have a few different things. It's a big charity event where you have speed gamers come in. And one of the main events is how are they going to do, what are they going to be crazy with Super Metroid this year? They have this fun thing where at the end you can either save the animals or let the animals die. There's these little, anyway, it doesn't matter. There's these little creatures. But that game started and, and really almost defined what is platforming. It's perfect, tight controls. Controls are actually so brilliant that they can be just, I mean, taken to just absurd levels of, uh, I mean, in terms of how they can manipulate things to accomplish and, and to get past things. There's so many different categories. And, you know, just playing that game and back in the day of actually going all the way through it, spending the time of myself identifying and defeating these, these puzzles. When I look at how important platforms have been and, and when I look at what fun they have been, again, the entire Castlevania genre, the Metroid, again, the original, starting with that and, and progressing through all the other amazing experiences, it's hard to say what really gets it better in terms of the ambiance, the how it communicates this brilliantly deep, dark story with just a few different frames and really leaves so much open to the imagination. Who is this crazy cyber pirate hunting? Anyway, it's just an absolute brilliant game. And 
yeah, I think it would be hard to find a, a platformer that has since done it really better. I mean, you have beautiful things like Ori still carrying the torch, but that's my number seven. Good pick. Okay, number six. Chris, you're up first. What's your number six? All right. This is another multiplayer game. These are new. This is a whole new world for me. Um, and this one you're, you're not going to have on your list, I think. World of Warships. Not World of Warcraft. Uh, leave that one for Brandon, probably. World of Warships Legends on console. Just came out last year. Um, I, I just started playing it because it was free, you know, and I had the Xbox free... Uh, um, you know, gold or whatever. And so I started playing this and, and I just started falling in love with it. And now I've got 60 different ships. You can either, there's usually three different types. There's destroyers, which are like torpedo boats. You're going around. There's cruisers, which are very mobile, but also have great guns. And then there's gigantic, very, very slow battleships that just can blow anything away. But you've got nine people on each side with different ships and they have to, you know, use islands and work together. And it's not the fast-paced uh, uh, reflex shooting, you know, like Apex Legends or the Warzone, which I have a love and hate relationship with because I don't have the reflex. And so, uh, but this one is a little slower, a little more strategic, but um, you can really feel the strategy because once you turn into a certain direction and, and commit, you can't easily go back. And then other people on your team have to work together, all these uh, complicated angles and uh, you know, different armor points for each ship. And something about it just brought back uh, a, a youthful memory that I used to really be into like military vehicles and simulators. And that, that's the type of, type of gaming that I really loved. In that I hated flight simulators. <laughs> Me and my dad both the just loved boring it. Boringest thing in the world. <laughs> that, that one came out of left field, Chris. Good pick. Right. Brandon, you're up. Number six. My number six, this is one of my, this is the biggest guilty pleasure on this list, and it would be the most obscure game selection that I would pick. And it is a game that comes from the original Nintendo Entertainment System, 8-bit NES, and it is Guardian Legend. Mm. Now, this is a game that to many would be an obscure gem. The personal connection that it has to myself is it was a game that myself and one of my best friends at the time, Tommy, uh, in third grade, back, uh, shout out to Bonneville Elementary, and we used to play this game, him and his older brother and all the kids in our neighborhood incessantly. It is a game where it is a combination of a, uh, uh, what, a bullet hell game. What is that term? I think that's all I can think of. You know, the, the what, what are those games? Those shooter games, but the top down, not like first person shooter, but mm. you know, bullet hell, oh, Gradius or the, you know, Gradius or those kinds of games or like the arcade game mm. where it's, it, you know. It's top down. You see it from above. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of like Baldur's Gate. Whatever, yeah. But, yeah. Um, I mean, going back to like some of the old games, like uh, like like Centipede, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that style, almost. Okay, so you were a spaceship that would go through these levels, and you would have to make it through fighting all these things. But then you would modify and transform into this this then robot, where you would go through and have these other different levels. And it was almost like it was an open world game where you could just travel between these different areas, and you picked up all of these uh, just different, unique, crazy weapons. I mean, just just that insane kind of. I don't know, just that flavor of, of almost to me like that pinnacle Japanese flavor where it just all came together really, really perfectly. And it was what, just beautiful. And what year do you think it was when that game was last played? <laughs> when I last played it? <laughs> no, it was anybody weird. in the oh, entire right. world. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Guilty Pleasure nice on my pick. own. Love and it. a very odd and obscure game, but that'll be one of the last anyway. Well, number six is definitely not obscure, and it is actually my number six was a game of the year, and that is Bioshock. 
Mm. I adore Bioshock. Which Bioshock? Bioshock. I, you know, I, I you have to pick. I don't have you to. You have pick. to pick. That's not. Fair. I can That's take a whole genre. Can. Bioshock One and Two were amazing. That does not include the last Bioshock. Okay, so, so not Infinity. Not Infinity. Which is better after one or two? Uh, had, one of them is better than the other. You know shut it. up! I can't remember. I put them all together in my brain. Can I talk about it? Little sister. Bioshock One forever, brother. Anyway, okay, sounds good. Either way. Um, I love Bioshock because not only is it a fun first-person shooter, but there's other elements to it as well. There's stealth, there's RPG. It's set in the 1960s underwater, and it creates such a, a feeling that is unique to any other game. Uh, it was just awesome. And then you get to be this big daddy uh, creature and then um, play as this little girl, too. It was, it was insane. And it was crazy, like scary at times. So the, the game went from just action-packed to also being super scary in jumps. Uh, it really is amazing. If anybody out there has not played Bioshock, you are missing out. There we go. Number five, Brandon, you're up. My number five is, already as predestined, we told, World of Warcraft. Um, <laughs> so I, I have to say that, you know, MMOs are not for everyone. And that's why this is not higher on the list because, you know, you could argue that it's, it's one of the games that more people have played than any other, but what it offers and, and what it actually creates, it, it really is the epitome of that experience and no one can do it better. And what I mean by that is getting together with a group of other people to achieve a common goal. And every other game out there has, combat player versus player. Warcraft doesn't do anything unique in that regard. I mean, honestly, first-person shooter games probably have about, in terms of, you know, the same amount of time that you're going to have to spend in the game to get good at it and what that experience is really going to feel like. It's a different flavor of that. But what it really offers that no other game has, has, has surpassed is that ability to have that really challenging, complicated, boss fight where you are going to achieve that with a ton of other people and not only that but it gives you this incredibly high pinnacle of achievement it used to it doesn't anymore but there was a time when only the top one percent of the player base got to see all of the content that they got to see that super special mode of that last boss of whatever the most intense rating dungeon was at that moment in time and it gave you an opportunity to shine and feel like a god unlike any other game really can when you are the one whose butt is on the line and everybody else is down and dead and you're making that last critical moment to, you know move to you know kill the boss to save your team whatever it is for me it culminated in what has been known to be some of the hardest content ever created, which was the Cataclysm expansion, number four, right after the Warcraft uh, expansion, or I'm sorry, Lich King expansion. But there were, uh, at the time, there were uh, legendary weapons that, oh, very, very few people were able to achieve. In fact, obtaining a legendary weapon was such an event that at the main capital city, there was legitimately, if you got one at the time of the expansion, there was a ceremony like the entire town stopped what it was doing and all of these dragons came in. This was the one, I got this. I was Malthus the Mage and I obtained the legendary staff of Terragosa. And I had this floating dragon party and this huge visage of my character popped up into the sky and the entire chat was going nuts for you know the next couple of hours. And I was like the third person on my server to have gotten this. And 
to have had to push and achieve that with a group of people who themselves, I mean, we weren't an amazing server, but for us, it was, you know, kind of the pinnacle of achievement. And we, you know, we weren't that far behind the guilds doing this nationally. And to be the person that had that gear. And when you threw that staff out on people, I mean, you were, people feared you. There's not an experience that can obtain that better than World of Warcraft. That's where Maltas came from. Number five for me is Diablo. And instead of going deep into uh, what Diablo is about, because everybody knows what Diablo is about, I think Diablo was the first game I became addicted to, that I could not stop playing it. Diablo and I one. suddenly found myself... No, Diablo 2, I Diablo think, is the one. Okay. Yeah. I, I found myself so immersed that I, I, I suddenly a day went by and I was still playing the game. In fact, the, the, I remember the pinnacle of it was I was actually in college on my laptop playing Diablo in the middle of class and the professor walks up to me and he gets like side by side with me where if he just went forward a couple more inches, he'd see what I was doing. And he turned to me and said, Corey, are you paying attention? Are you playing a game? And I looked up and said, I'm taking notes. And it was just this moment where he had to decide, am I going to look forward and call him on it? Or am I going to believe what he just said to me? And I'm sitting there waiting. And of course, the people next to me can see that I've got Diablo out and I'm literally playing Diablo. And he goes, okay, just, just making sure. And he turns and walks away and I'm just like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I played it in the middle of class. What can I say? So that was my number five. That tells you how good a game is. Chris, you're up. Number five. All right, uh, my number five, which uh, might be on someone else's list as well, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, I started to not like uh, open, was open world games. When, you know, they came out there like the big thing. Sky, Skyrim was like the big open world game. And what I didn't like about it is I just didn't feel a, a deep uh, story driving me on. Um, but in Zelda, I could just wander around and just love to just find some resources. And the way it did it was just so refreshing and so different than anything I've ever done. Um, I, I, I still wish they had more of words that they said. You know, it still has kind of Zelda strange noises and a lot of text space. I think it'd be better if they actually had voice. Yeah, the, the only cut scenes are like at those special moments. Yes, but it's just the uniqueness of it. And then the, the way that they upgraded the fighting where it was really very um, exact. And you, you, you were aware where you were and every, you know, every little minute uh, detail was in the, you know, was in the battles. And something about it's just so cute and so original. I mean, we've been playing Zelda since we were born and this just brought it to a whole new level and refreshed it, but, but still keeping that same magic and wonder. Nice. Okay, guys. Well, we are going to pause the button right there. That will wrap up part one of our top games of all time podcast. For all of you, please start part two. In part two, you are going to hear the top four games as well as our, our honorable mentions. And I'm going to do a preview for next week's podcast. It's going to be exciting. Go click part two of this week's Gen X Gamers podcast. See you on the other side.